and think it's the teaching is done, the book's over, and to move on. But there's much riches in these last four verses I do not want us to miss. No, Paul doesn't give us any commands here, but Paul has much in the example he holds up for us that we can learn from. This morning we're going to focus in on verses 21 and 22, where we once again see the role of community in the body of Christ. As we look at verses 21 and 22, I want you to look as we read of what does Paul's farewell show us about how we're to relate to one another. As we look at these two verses where he's greeting people and mentioning the name of a brother in Christ, what does this teach us? What does his final greeting here show us about how we today in Montgomery, Alabama, Gateway, are to relate to one another? Because it's an amazing example in Paul's life and also in the life of a guy who we can barely pronounce correctly. There's much for us to learn. So we come to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 and 22. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? God, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, and the words will also be on the screen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21 and 22. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. You may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful for your inspired word. Father, we know every word that you've given to us is inspired, is from you, and it's true, and it's profitable. God, I pray today as we look at these final greetings from Paul to the people in Ephesus, God, that your word will come alive to us. That God, as we see the example of Paul and Tychicus here, God, our hearts will be stirred, and you would grow us at Gateway and how we relate to one another. So we ask you to take your word and apply it to our lives as only you can. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, you may be seated. Um, there's just two simple but related truths I want you to see today that are simple but very life-changing for us in the example that Paul holds up. And it's simply this. We need other believers to encourage us, and we need to encourage other believers. The Christian life is a two-way street, and both of these are essential, that there needs to be people in our life who are encouraging us, who are speaking truth into our lives, and people to whom we're intentionally pursuing to encourage to speak truth into their lives. Depending on your personality, and depending on your gifting, and depending on who's around you, it's easy to fall into one of two camps. To be at a place to where other believers are encouraging you, but it stops there, and it becomes very self-focused. But it's also easy to get in the other camp to where you spend your life giving, 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 giving to others, and there's no one pouring into you, and you dry up, and you begin to get worn out and burn out in what you're doing. The norm of the Christian life is that you need both. You need people pouring in encouragement to you as you're pouring out encouragement to others. Now, I want you to see that in our text here. So to understand our text, go back to verse 21. We need to understand the relationship that Paul is holding up here. It says in verse 21, So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. Now, we come to this name Tychicus, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That is my best guess of how you pronounce that, because I don't know anyone named Tychicus today, and I don't think you'd probably do either. So who is this Tychicus guy here? He is an unsung hero of the Bible. He is a guy who made a huge impact on the early church, but that most of us don't even think about very often. What do we know about Tychicus? Well, I want you to see on the screen, we're going to go back to Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. First place that we see him. This is in the context of Paul has been in Ephesus, the place that he's now writing to, and there's been a riot in the city. It's going to cause Paul to have to leave the city. So notice this. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, that's not what we're looking at right now, but this is part of the main idea. After encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There, there he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set self for sure, he decided to return through Macedonia. Now, verse 4 is the key one for us right here. And I'm going to butcher these names probably, but 
Sopater the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. Now, again, that's a mouthful of names here, but what, what's the point in all this? Paul didn't do his work alone. Paul always had people around him, encouraging him, partnering with him, speaking truth into his life. Now, the people that were investing in Paul as he was doing ministry, one of them was this guy, Tychicus. It says he's the Asian. Now, when we think of Asia today, we think of China, Korea, places like that. Asia at the time was more of what you consider Mediterranean region, the places he's writing to, Ephesus, Colossae, and places like that. So what we know about Tychicus is he was a guy from Asia, most likely even Ephesus, who traveled with Paul. He didn't travel with Paul for curiosity's sake because he found some big hero that he really was attracted to here. He found a guy that he wanted to minister to, that he was intentional about partnering with. He partnered with Paul for the sake of the gospel, and he invested in the early church. Look back at Ephesians 6, verse 21. So that you know also, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother, notice this, and faithful minister in the Lord. He was a guy who spent his life ministering to others. In fact, he's the one who takes the letter of Ephesians to the people in Ephesus. There was no email at the time. There was no UPS at the time. How did they get the letter? Someone, after Paul wrote this on a scroll and rolled it up, the guy had to carry the scroll and knock on someone's door and say, here's a letter from Paul to you. Tychicus is the guy who took this letter we're reading today and took it to the people in Ephesus to minister to them. But it's not the only time Tychicus went to Ephesus. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Paul's writing here and says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me, to me for ministry. And then verse 12, Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. So apparently there was enough of a friendship there to where Tychicus not only goes to Ephesus with this letter initially, he goes back at a later time to minister to the church there. But it's not the only church that this guy named Tychicus ministered to. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. So Paul sent him to the church at Colossae as well to take the letter of Colossians to them. And there's one more place to where perhaps he traveled. Titus chapter 3, <coughs> excuse me, verse 12. It says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Titus is on Crete, the island of Crete establishing the church. Paul's writing to him and says, I'm going to send someone to help you with your work, to encourage you in your work. It's going to be either Artemis or Tychicus. So what do we learn in all of this? That this guy named Tychicus that we read in the closing of Ephesians is a guy who ministered to many of the churches and God worked through as an unsung hero that few of us even know his name, but he was vital in the establishment of the early church. And so it's very fitting that Paul ends the letter of Ephesians with mentioning him because he's a living example before the people at the time of what it looks like to live out our identity in Christ, everything that Paul has been writing. He's one who shows us how we have other believers who encourage us and how we encourage other believers. So I want you to see that. Let's start with the idea, first of all, that we all need other people to encourage us. We all need people to encourage us. None of us are meant to navigate life alone. We're all made to be in community. You know, our culture is a culture of self-help. We don't want to be needy. But God made us needy. He didn't make us to where we can do everything on our own. He made us to need other people in our life. Even the Apostle Paul, who wrote Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, who wrote so much of our New Testament, who started all these churches, had needs. We think about him, and it's easy to kind of sanitize what he went through and think, oh, this is a great Apostle Paul who had an easy life and had it all figured out. But lest we forget why he might need encouragement, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 to 28. This is Paul's life. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes. 
lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. And toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, and hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. And apart from these other things, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Friends, lest we think in our culture that God's concern is for us to have an easy, safe, happy life full of a lot of money and no sickness and no trust, that nonsense is propagated in the American churches, propagated on TV and on the radio. That's not what Paul experienced. That's not God's plan for us. God's chief aim in our life is not to get us from birth to death in the safest, happiest, easiest, wealthiest, most comfortable way possible. Life is hard, and God has a purpose, though, in it. Going through all that Paul went through, he could not do so alone. He needed other people in his life. The very things he taught other people, he needed people to remind him of in the midst of these journeys. One person who did that for him was Tychicus. So go back to Ephesians 6, 21. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. Notice how Paul calls him here, the beloved brother. Paul loves this brother. Why does Paul love this brother? Because this brother was with Paul when Paul journeyed to Rome. This brother was with Paul when Paul was arrested. This brother was with Paul when he was in prison, when he appeared before kings and governors, when he was shipwrecked. And now when he's under house arrest, writing to churches he would love to go to, but can't because he's under house arrest in Rome, this brother is still at his side. Friends, think of your closest friends. They are probably people who've walked with you through some of the darkest seasons of your life. Some of the people who've walked you through the trials that you've gone through, and they're still standing beside you when you come out of that trial. This is that brother to Paul, one who was with him through all these trials and encouraged him in the gospel. But Paul's not the only one who has a need here that needs to be addressed. The people in Ephesus also needed encouragement. Again, notice verse 21. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. Now, in our American culture, at first reading, this can sound kind of presumptuous, can it? So that you know how I am and what I am doing, I'm going to send someone to talk about me to you. You know, we can read that presumptuously, but that's not what Paul is doing here. Paul is understanding their need. Look at verse 22. I have sent him to you for this purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Those go hand in hand. Knowing how Paul is doing and also being encouraged are going to go hand in hand for this. Remember, Paul is not some random Christian leader writing to the people. He is someone that they love dearly. He had been there twice. He had been there on a brief visit in Acts 19, but he'd gone back in Acts chapter 20, and he spent two years there. Paul had invested two years of his life with these people. They had developed close friendships and close bond, bonds between them, and now seven to ten years later, he's under house arrest. He's far away. They know he's probably going to get killed soon, and they're concerned about their dear friend who has spent two-plus years with them. And so what serves them is to get this greeting from a, personally delivered from one of his friends. And think about that. You're the early church. You get a knock on the door, a guy standing there with a scroll in his hand saying, Paul's written you a letter, and let me encourage you. He is doing well. Yes, he's under arrest, but he is strong in the Lord. He's not wavering. He's grateful for you. He remembers you finally, and he's praying for you daily. Think of how that serves the people in Ephesus when they hear firsthand of Paul's faithfulness in the Lord and what he's still doing and praying for them. But it also starts in because notice in verse 21, he also says, so that you know how I am and what I am doing. Well, what is Paul doing? He's advancing the gospel. 
even under house arrest, he's still sharing Christ with people. He's still trying to build up the churches. The people in Ephesus were people who loved the church and loved the gospel. And they needed to be reminded from Tychicus that even though that Paul's under arrest, the gospel is not stopping. Even though he's been arrested, Satan is not going to prevail. Paul is serving them by sending Tychicus to encourage them in this and meet them in their point of need by reminding them that the gospel will go forward. But there's one other way that Tychicus encourages them and meets their need in Ephesus. Look at verse 21. So that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you, tell you how much? Everything. Well, it's easy to assume everything is his life and his ministry. But as I begin reading this week, the scholars say everything is an intentional broad word here that includes the contents of the letter. That what this is saying is Tychicus is coming as well, commissioned by Paul to help explain the letter of the Ephesians to the people at Ephesus. Paul's sending him to help them understand the depths of it. Friends, we have spent 49 weeks so far. That's about 30 hours of your life in this room has been listening to Ephesians, and we're only able to get some of the depths of it. There's so much in this. And these people are hearing this for the first time. Tychicus doesn't throw the letter at him and run on his way. Paul sends him to meet their need by helping them understand the letter. So when they start reading this, and again, chapter 1 goes, wait, wait, God predestines people? What, how does that work? I don't know, go ask Tychicus. He was with Paul when he wrote it. Let him explain it. And when they get to the teachings on morality, and someone's saying, well, I'm struggling in this area of my life. I can't seem to put off anger. I can't seem to put off this immorality. How do I do that? Go ask Tychicus. He's been with Paul for all these years. He can teach us what Paul means by all of this. They needed encouragement, understanding the word of God. And so Paul sends Tychicus to meet their needs. Friends, we all need encouragement. We all need other believers in our lives to encourage us. That's only half the story. That's only half the idea here because relationships are two ways. And the fact that you and I need encouragement means that everyone around you needs encouragement as well. And who has God put in their lives to encourage them? Us, one another in this. So how do we encourage other people? How do we do to one another here at Gateway what Tychicus did for Paul? What Paul did for Timothy, what Tychicus did for the people in Ephesus, what Paul did for the people in Ephesus. How do we encourage <coughs> excuse me, one another? There's five principles I want you to see right here that I think will help us understand how we live out this command to pursue encouraging one another. So five things I want you to see from this text and other texts about how do we encourage one another in the body of Christ. Number one, encouragement is personal. Encouragement is personal. Don't miss this, verse 21. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord will tell you everything. Don't miss the fact that Tychicus left his home to be face-to-face with Paul. He didn't just write him a letter, Paul, I know you're in prison, I want to encourage you, have a good day, and send him a letter on his way. Tychicus left his friends and his family, his home church, and he went to go minister to Paul face-to-face there with him. And now Paul sends Tychicus to do the same. Verse 22, I have sent him to you for this very purpose. Paul now sends Tychicus to the people in Ephesus to provide face-to-face, very personal encouragement in their point of need. Again, imagine when the house churches gathered. They didn't have GPS on their phones to be like, oh, look, Paul's letter's almost here today. They didn't even know a letter was coming. They're gathering, they're worshiping the Lord, and there's a knock at the door, and this beloved brother, probably from their town, shows up and says, I have a letter for you from Paul, and I want to personally bring it to you and encourage your hearts today. Think of the wonder that would do in their own hearts to be encouraged face-to-face very personally. We need face-to-face encouragement from one another. Encouragement is personal. Number two, encouragement is specific. Friends, this is not Paul saying, I have an unspoken prayer request, and Tychicus going, God bless you, I will pray, it'll be okay. 
That, that's not what's going on here in this. Paul makes his needs known. He gets very vulnerable in places to let people know what he needs. So that's not recorded for us here. We know it happens because it's recorded for us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. We started on this text earlier. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. And then he goes on. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with carpets at trust. Also the books and above all, the parchments. And by the way, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will pray him according to his deeds. What is Paul doing? Paul's not just sugarcoating things. I'm the leader. I've got to have this all figured out. I need to be in charge. I'm doing great, everyone. I'm doing great. Just, just pray for me. No, he says, I need books. I need a cloak. And by the way, this guy did great disservice to me. God's going to judge him for what he did. He is very real and transparent. And friends, we live in a culture where we, our culture values privacy so much. It's rare to get this type of honesty. How are you doing? Good. I mean, what did you get this morning when you walked in? You walked down the halls of the building. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm good. I'm great. I doubt all of us had good, great weeks, but that seems to be what we say to one another. Paul was willing to be honest and make his specific needs known. And then Paul and Antiochus know the specific needs as well in Ephesus. That's why he wrote this letter. That's why in verse 22, I sent to you for this purpose, to address those specific needs, to meet those encouragement. Friends, in Christian community, encouragement is specific. That means we have to be real about where we're struggling, and other people need to be real in speaking in to that. Encouragement is personal, face-to-face. Encouragement is specific. But perhaps most important, number three, encouragement is sharing the Word of God. Encouragement is sharing the Word of God. Encouragement today, even in the church, is often vague. It's often man-centered. It's often vague. It's often things like, it's going to be okay, or there's light at the end of the tunnel, and we give these kind of vague things of hope. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Also, so much of even Christian encouragement today is man-centered. Push through it. You're strong. I believe in you. You've got this. You can do it. I know you can. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul's holding up a very different model of encouragement. Go back to verse 22. I sent him to you for this purpose. You may know how we are. Know that he may encourage your hearts. Now, the word encourage here is a Greek word, parakleos. Parakleos. If that sounds familiar to you, it should from our study of the Gospel of John well over a year ago. Because in the Gospel of John, there's a word that's a title for the Holy Spirit. And it's the paraclete. Not parakeet the bird, but the paraclete. Paraclete comes from the Greek word parakleos, which is the word for encouragement, the word for comfort. He's saying, I want you to do what the Holy Spirit does in your life for one another. How does the Holy Spirit encourage us? He doesn't give us a pet talk. He's not like, you got this, I believe in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and be like, it's going to be okay. Just believe in yourself. The Holy Spirit encourages us by reminding us of the Word of God. And so to all the words for encouragement Paul picks, he picks the word. It's the same word used as a title for the Holy Spirit. I want you to parakleos. That's what he's coming to do for you, to encourage you in the way the Holy Spirit would encourage you. That means we encourage one another not with opinions, but with the Word of God. That means we encourage one another not with man-centered help, but with God-centered promises. Not with self-help and try harder, but by pointing people back to God. So friends, catch this. In Scripture, encouragement is people being made strong as they are reminded of God. In the Bible, encouragement is people being made strong as they are reminded about God. In the Bible, when people encourage one another, they are pointing people back to who God is. They are being made strong as they are reminded about who God is, His character, His goodness, His love, His wisdom, His sovereignty, as they think about His promises and how He's even using the difficulties and the trials to bring about good and for His glory to be seen. As they think about His presence in the midst of the hardship and all that He's done for us. 
People in Scripture encourage one another by holding up the Word of God, by reminding us about who God is. An example of that pattern we see it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. Paul's writing to believers in Thessalonica who are concerned and worried about what's happened to those who've died before them, what's going to happen in all this. And Paul says, encourage one another with what? With these words. These words that he's written, this inspired scripture, he's saying, take to those who are struggling, and don't just tell them whatever you want to tell them, take these words that I've given to you and use that to encourage them, to comfort them, to strengthen them. So friends, in the Bible, encouragement is personal, it's face-to-face, it is specific, (coughs) excuse me, and it's sharing scripture. Number four, encouragement is sacrificial. Encouragement costs us something, it is sacrificial. For Paul, for him to encourage the people in Ephesus, he had to give up his best helper, And don't miss this, this guy who's in chains, who's under house arrest, is willing to depart with the guy who's the biggest encouragement to him so that he can encourage the people in Ephesus. It cost Paul something to send Tychicus to them. For Tychicus, it was costly for him. He gave up having a permanent home. We see him going to Crete. We see him going to Colossae. We see him going to Ephesus. He was willing to travel and give up all the permanence of a lot of people long for in life to encourage others. He gave up notoriety. I mean, no one names their kids Tychicus today. There's lots of people who name their kids Peter and Paul and all these names, but he gave up notoriety. He was willing to be behind the scenes and give up fame to encourage. It can be costly to encourage, but God calls us to do that. It's going to look different in different situations, but it means at least we have to be willing to put aside our schedules and our busyness, put aside our preferences, to be put aside our walls of privacy, to be real with people so they can speak into us and so that we can then pursue them. Encouragement is personal, it's specific, it's sharing scripture, it's sacrificial. Number five, lastly, encouragement is intentional. It is intentional. Paul didn't accidentally encourage the people in Ephesus. He took time to write a letter. He commissioned a guy to take it to them and said, by the way, while you're there, teach them everything about this letter. Tell them how I'm doing. Let them know about the gospel. You be intentional in doing that. Tychicus didn't accidentally end up in Ephesus. He went on a mission. There's intentionality all around in these verses. And friends, we must too. I think so often in my own life and a lot of our lives, we wait for someone to come to us with a need. But the Bible and the the scriptures show us a model of us being willing to be intentional. We need to be pursuing relationships with one another to encourage one another, to speak the truth of the scripture to one another. We don't need to wait for it to come to us. We need to pursue it. I love how Hebrews chapter 10 describes it. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider... Think about that. We're being called here to stop, to pause, to think deeply about something. What is that we're supposed to think about? We're to pause from our business of life to consider how we're to stir up one another to love and good works. How do we encourage one another? And then verse 25 says, not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And notice the connection here between meeting together as believers and encouragement. Friends, we can't encourage one another if we only see each other for an hour and passing in a week. We can try to encourage one another, but the type of encouragement that laid out here takes going deeper. It means us meeting together as believers in order to encourage one another. And as we meet together, what do we do? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, we looked at some months ago, shows us. We speak the truth in love. We get together in small groups. We join Sunday school groups. We join life groups. We get into small group Bible studies. We hang out with people from the church, not just because it's fun, but we do it because we want to have opportunities to stir one another up. For, for love and good deeds. We want to encourage one another. When we get in those small group settings, it's not enough just to be there. We have to be intentional to open our mouths and to speak the truth in love. If you think back to Ephesians 4 when we studied this, this wasn't speaking anything. The word truth here is the same word that's used to describe the gospel. 
that we're to gospel one another in love. We're to hold up the gospel before one another in all of our context. And what happens when we do that? The very next verse in Ephesians 4.16 shows us, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Friends, when we encourage one another, something bigger than just us happens. When we're intentional and we pursue people and they drop their walls of privacy and they share with us what's going on in their life and we can pray for them and speak the truth of Scripture to them and get in their lives face-to-face to encourage them with the promises of God. When that happens and when they do that back to us and we do that and that becomes our normal pattern of life, look what happened. The body grows. People are built up. People are being discipled. God's glory is on display and the church is being what God wants the church to be. We need to be keeping the gospel for each other. Encouragement is personal. Encouragement is specific. Encouragement is sharing scripture. Encouragement is sacrificial. And encouragement is intentional. And why that? Listen to verses 21 and 22 again. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I sent him to you for this very purpose. You may know how we are and that he may encourage. He may paraclete your hearts. Friends, we need other believers to encourage us, and we need to encourage other believers. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, we need other believers to encourage us. Who in your life is encouraging you right now? Who in your life is loving you enough to walk this journey of your faith with you? Who in your life is speaking into your situation when you're discouraged, when you're down, when you're struggling with what's happening in life, when you're in the middle of a trial? Who in your life is reminding you of the promises of God? When you're in a temptation... Who in your life is reminding you of what God is calling you to do and of his strength to support you? Friends, if we're trying on our own, we will fall short. God made us to need other people to do this in us, in our lives. Because if you're lacking in this area, if, there's, if you do not feel like there's people in your life pursuing you and encouraging this way, I want you to do two things. First, I want you to pray and say, God, would you send someone my way to speak scripture into my life? Would you send someone my way to encourage me the way Tychicus encouraged Paul or the way... Paul encouraged Timothy, or the way these people encouraged the early church. Would you send someone my way? But number two, I want you to take a step towards community. One of the things that grieves me so much, friends, is when I know that people are lonely or feeling isolated, and all they do is come for an hour a week in this room. Friends, we, God has called us to so much deeper relations than we can do in a passing, hey, how are you before the service, and hey, enjoy your lunches. We're running out the door after the service. I want you to pray and ask God to give you people in your life to do this, but I want you to take a step of faith into a smaller group. That's why we don't just have one thing here. That's why we have Sunday morning small group classes. That's why we have life groups that meet on different evenings of the weekend homes. That's why we have women's Bible studies on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights and men's Bible studies on Wednesdays and Thursday nights. And why there's a myriad of opportunities for you to fellowship and be with people. If you're feeling like I need encouragement, yes, pray and ask God to send people into your life, but you take a step of faith into community as well. Friends, who in your life is encouraging you? The second question is also very important. Who are you encouraging? Who are you this week going to pursue to encourage? Not to give them a pep talk, but to point them back to the promises of God. Who in your life, if you're Tychicus, is your Paul? Who, if you're Paul in your life, is your Timothy? Who is it that you could say what Paul says about Tychicus? He is my beloved brother. Who is your beloved brother? Who is your beloved sister that you feel such a burden for, that you pray for, and you intentionally seek to spend time with because you want to encourage them. If that's the area where you're lacking, I want to encourage you to do two things. First of all, pray. Say, God, who is it that you want me to to pursue? Men, as you pray, say, Lord, what brother in this church do you want me to go deeper with in a relationship so I can encourage him in the gospel? 
And ladies, for you to pray, Lord, what sister in this church do you want me to encourage in the gospel and go deep with? So pray and ask God to show you. As he shows you someone and begins to remind you of someone who needs encouragement, pick up the phone this week. Give them a call and go take them to coffee or lunch or have them come hang out with your family or whatever else. Take a step of faith with that. We all need someone pouring into us and we all need to be pouring in to someone. That leads to one last question. Remember, encouragement is from Scripture. People don't need our opinions, they need Scripture. We're to parakleos one another. We're to do what the Holy Spirit does in reminding people of Scripture. So friends, are we studying the Word of God for we know it well enough to be able to speak it to others? It's not just the job of the elders or the deacons or the small group leaders that we have a responsibility to do that. It's the job of all of us. Are we studying the Word of God because we want to know God? Are we studying the Word of God so that we are equipped and ready when someone opens up to us about, hey, I'm struggling with this. We're not like, okay, where's my concordance? Uh, Here's a Bible promise. But we've studied the Word of God and know it so that we can speak it into one another's lives. We need to hear from each other the promises of God. We need to hear from one another reminders of His character. We need to hear from one another what God has done for His people. Friends, are we studying the Word of God so that we are ready to share it? As we end, I want to share with you a quote from a blogger I like who's on the Gospel Coalition. He says this. He said, I want to be like Tychicus. Probably not a quote we hear every day, right? I want to be like Tychicus. I want to be a herald of the word so that it overflows from my heart at the right time and place. Man, what a great example for us. I want to be a herald, a proclaimer of the word so it overflows from my heart at the right time and the right place. Friends, are we saturating our hearts with the word of God? Are we immersing our lives in community so we're even at a place to where we can herald the word, where it can overflow from us to others because we're living our lives so intertwined in the body of Christ that God has called us to do. Friends, I pray this week that God gives us much grace upon grace upon grace to open ourselves up to receive encouragement, but also to intentionally pursue others to encourage. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your word. We're thankful for, even in a closing greeting that Paul makes, how much truth there is in these simple words. Lord, we thank you for the the legacy and the faithfulness of guys like Tychicus, guys like Paul, guys like Timothy, these Ephesian believers who are willing to to lay down their rights, their preferences, their ways of life because they want to serve others, because they want to see you glorified, because they want to see your church grow, because they want to see your kingdom advance. And God, I do pray, even as the quote I just read would be true for all of us, God, you would help us stir our hearts to where we want to be more like Tychicus and to where we want to be people who are willing to receive encouragement but also to pour it out. Father, I want to pray for those brothers and sisters here today, Father, who are struggling because they don't feel like they're receiving personal encouragement. Because there's really no one in their lives who's walking this journey with them. And Father, that's a lonely place to be. Lord, you didn't design for us to be in those lonely places. So God, I pray for grace upon grace today for that brother or sister today who's struggling because there's no one speaking in their life. God, would you today be just convicting someone else's heart to go pursue that person? But also, would you give that person much grace to step into community, to join a small group, to find a way to spend more time with believers where they can put themselves in the path of that encouragement? Lord, for those of us who are receiving encouragement but are not giving out encouragement like you've called us to, who are not laying down our lives like Tychicus models for us here, God, I pray that you would give us much conviction and much grace, not just to try harder because we can't try harder in our own strength, but you give us much grace and because we're filled with the Holy Spirit to find strength from you to pursue other people. And would you give us discernment to see others in the body of Christ here at Gateway the way you do? Would you open our eyes to see the needs of others that we're not waiting for it to come to us, but where we're stepping out to pursue? Yeah, would you give us favor in one another's eyes to where as we step out, where we're received and welcomed? And Lord, I pray you would just deepen our friendships, deepen our relationships, that you keep knitting us together more and more as a body of believers here at Gateway. 
where we say, well, no, that's my beloved brother. That's my beloved sister. There's, he's a faithful minister. She's a faithful minister. This bond, this friendship we see between Paul and Tychus, I pray you'd be deepening those all across this church fellowship. So what I know is we go deeper in community like that. Lord, you'll receive great glory because it's so different than what the world sees. But as we do that, we know that the enemy's schemes against us will weaken as we find strength together. And God, that your name will be magnified. And so Lord, for your glory, for your name's sake, for your church being built up, God, would you give us much grace to encourage one another and to receive that encouragement. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song?